This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You, 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 you are now locked in to the Clock Dodgers podcast. All right, welcome to the Clock Dodgers Game of Thrones recap episode. We are recapping episode five today. Um, I, of course, have my, my co-host with me on the Game of Thrones podcast, which is Tony, a.k.a. Mr. Me Seeks, a.k.a. whatever else you want to call him. How are you doing today, man? Hey, I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I'm well, doing all right, good man. I'm, down, I'm a little bit down. I'm not going to lie, man. I'm a little depressed, yeah. you know? It's a somber mood this week. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to, you know, to not cry to start the episode, so you might have to carry us at times as we get a little deep here. Um, but, yeah, I'm used um, to carrying you. Yeah, you carry me, I carry you. You know, we'll do we'll do a little our best Hodor impression, right? This is a, in honor of Hodor, so yeah. we'll do that. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> so let's go ahead and uh, and basically start. We'll we'll save you know we'll save the whole brand thing and everything for the end since there's so much to go into that. We'll start where the show started, uh, which was Sansa um, at Castle Black. Um, she gets a letter from Littlefinger, who asks her you know obviously to meet her and to talk to her. Um, which this you know the show kicked off straight into a emotional, passionate, um, you know sort of I don't I don't want to call it a rant, but uh, you know of Sansa talking to Littlefinger and basically, you know, explaining to him what she's been through since he pretty much handed her off to Ramsey, um, you know, asking him if he knew, you know, what kind of monster Ramsey was and, you know, kind of saying, you know, you told me you were going to protect me, that this was what was best for me. And, you know, the things that he's, he's done to me, I basically, you know, can still feel physically even till this moment. Um, it's kind of the first moment we've seen a uh, little finger in, um, I don't know if you want to call it an awkward position or, um, you know, a position of weakness, you know, um, he didn't have, you know, anything, any, any leg to stand on basically in this conversation. And so, you know, Brienne was there and, and Sansa's asking him, you know, what if I asked her to kill you right now? And all, all these things, she basically threw everything at him at once, which I don't think he expected. Um, and of course, you know, he offered, to help her in any way he could, you know, he offered the veil, the army to help her, uh, regain Winterfell and Winterfell, excuse me, and kind of, um, yeah, basically kill Ramsey and get it all over with, which she actually turned down. 
Um, so, you know, I kind of wanted to throw it at you right away, kind of get, get right into this. Do, do you think her turning down Littlefinger's offer is a mistake? Uh, yeah, I don't know that necessarily she turned it down 100%. Um, I know she said, like, you know, I never want to see you again, things like that. But she also didn't kill him when right. she could have. So I think part of that was her understanding the game and knowing that, uh, you know, this guy is more useful to me alive than dead. So I need to not kill him right now. So I think she turned it down at face value, but I think she's still kind of keeping it in her back pocket. You know what I mean? And I do think that Littlefinger is definitely in a weakened position. I think he thought he was still dealing with the Sansa that he dropped off not realizing, like, how much that situation had changed her. You know what I mean? And how much it had strengthened her resolve and kind of turned her into, like I've been saying all along, the Catelyn Stark that we know she could be, you know? Right, right. So I think that uh, that, that was very unexpected from him, and he kind of tried to play the fool, you know, which they say, you know, if you, when all else fails, just play dumb. And I right. think that was kind of the vow he was trying to go, you know? And it, obviously it didn't work. Right, and so he offered up his army when she kind of, you know, like you said, she didn't exactly, you know, shut him down completely, but she didn't accept his offer. Um, he did mention to her that I guess it's her uncle who has kind yeah, of, um, yep. yeah, he's kind of uh, strengthened up and kind of taken, a, you know, an area of his own again. And so he's saying that maybe you should go to him and ask him to help you because obviously he would be loyal to you. Um, and so, uh, you know, they, they're obviously arranging their plans to, to do that, to contact him when they left Castle Black. But um, I did get a, a question from a listener, um, Jeff, um, and, he, and he, he basically was asking, you know, at one point in, in, the, in the episode um, when they ask Sansa how she knows about, you know, her uncle's situation, um, she lied to them and didn't say anything about, you know, the meeting with Littlefinger or that he made her aware of that and just said that. Um, you know, a Raven had brought the information, I guess, when she was with Ramsey and that, you know, he told her that. Um, so, so Jeff is basically asking us, why did Sansa lie to John at this moment? Is, is there any real reasoning for that that you think that's, you know, bigger to the story or was it just her again, like you said, kind of playing her hand that she's been dealt right now? I think that's it. That's it. You know, I don't think that she, uh, that she was necessarily like that doesn't trust John or anything along those lines. I think she didn't want John to be worried that she was meeting with Littlefinger or anything like that. You know, Littlefinger did turn on Ned. That's probably common knowledge throughout the land right now. You know what I mean? So John would have a natural distrust for Littlefinger, whereas she probably thinks that she can control Littlefinger because there is kind of the, you know, the under supply of Littlefinger kind of sickly in love with her. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think she she understands that she sees that you know what I mean. So I don't think that it was necessarily like malicious that she was trying to keep the secret from John because she doesn't trust him with that knowledge. I think that it's just that she didn't want his judgment because this came from Littlefinger and she believes that this is the route that they have to go. So he didn't want she didn't want some like him to have a you know preconceived disposition towards this idea because it came from Littlefinger. Right. And I, and I also think it's funny that, um, you know, right now as we're watching these um, Sansa and John scenes, um, it, it almost appears as if, although, you know, John lost a lot of faith in himself, kind of lost his fight, 
uh, when he was, you know, uh, stabbed in the back or I guess stabbed in the chest, but stabbed in the back by the people who killed him. Um, it seems as if Sansa believes in him more than he believes in himself right now. Do you know what I mean? Like anytime, you know, she gets a chance, she says, my brother, my brother, my brother will protect me, my brother army, my brother's army. So it's like she is almost you know, more, more belief of John than John is of himself at this, you know, at the moment, everyone around John believes in John more than John does. So hopefully at some point, you know, we get the old John back, you know, the, the fierce, you know, nobody can get in my way kind of guy. Um, cause right now everyone around him, whether it's the priestess, you know, Davos, you know, his sister, everyone seems to believe in John besides John almost to a certain extent. Do you, you see what I'm saying with that? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think, um, obviously his confidence is shot. He he even said, you know, I fought, I lost. He's kind of losses what to go next. He doesn't want to make another mistake that'll end up costing maybe Sansa her life and him his life, or costing him the North or something like that. So I definitely definitely think his confidence is shaking, you know. But I don't know, like with the brother thing, like she says that a lot when she's not with him. But I don't. I wonder if part of that is her trying to convince herself. Because we do got to think, you know, these two weren't ever close. Right. And Catelyn hated John, if you think back to season one, because he was like a example of Ned cheating on her, basically. Right. So he was a, you know, breathing embodiment of that. So I, she always kind of hated John, and she might be just trying to convince herself, like, I can trust John, I can trust John, you know what I mean? So she wants to keep repeating it over and over but yeah, she course. did also, if you notice, when she was talking about Ramsey, when they were all having the meeting, you know, she was like, you know, Ramsey's no more Bruce's son than John is Ned's. You know right. what I mean? Trying to, and, and you could see the look of hurt on John's face when he said that. Like, this, this girl still doesn't accept me at the start. Right. She still thinks of me as a bastard. And I do think part of that is still in Sandra. And she's just trying to kind of expel that from her consciousness. And I, and, and, I, and I think that's what... This is the only family she has left, you know uh, what I mean? Yeah, and that's probably what Littlefinger was pointing out at also when he left the room with her. He said, you're half-brother. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. You know, he's trying to basically tell he's her, you to... need your own army. I know your brother has an army, but he's your half-brother, you know what I mean? So, you know, yeah, the North, maybe he's saying the North would be behind doing. you more than him, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be fun to see how that all, you know, obviously they're off now to kind of um, recruit you know, families and houses and, and different people, armies to protect them and, and fight with them. Um, so it's going to be fun to see how, you know, how that all plays out. Um, of course, you know, when, we, when we're speaking of Sansa, we kind of jump over to her sister, who is in a totally different place of the world right now, you know, with totally different things on her mind. And, and so, you know, her, her sister, uh, well, we can call her a girl with no name, right? I mean, there's, that's basically what she's going by these days. Um, you know, no our, one. what was that? No one. Yeah, no yeah. one. She's no one, you know? She's no She's one. So no one. I don't even want to call her her name. I want to call her no one. So that's what we're going to do. Um, with, with her story, we kind of got a background on the faceless men, you know, kind of how that started, um, how it originated, all that kind of stuff. Um, we had another, you know, a fight scene with her and the um, the waif, the girl there who was still seemed to be kicking her ass still. Uh, but... The girl's a badass. Yeah, she is, man. <laughs> she, she. I, I like when, uh, you know, she, she jumped back up and the girl just dropped her, her, her stick. She was like, I could do without yep. that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I don't even need to. Total badass, but, um, you know, she, she, she got her first target. I guess you can call it, um, her first hit. Uh, who, you know, they're asking her to kill, which is the actress. Which I thought was interesting because when she was watching the, um, the play, 
Um, I feel like the old her would have reacted in that situation. I don't think she would have sat through that. I don't think, you know, I don't know how, how she would have reacted, but she wouldn't have sat through it. So obviously she's changed in some, you know, in some, in some extent. Uh, what did, what did you think about the whole, you know, conversation between her and, and everything with who, you know, she's like, oh, well, the woman didn't seem like a bad person, all that kind of stuff. What, what, what did you get from that whole dialogue? Well, I definitely think this whole situation is a test, you know what I mean, by Jacques Nagar to prove if she's no one or not. You know, I think sending her to that play was a test because he knows what's going on there. Right. You know what I mean? He knows what, what play they're telling. So he wouldn't just send her there blindly. I think he was, he was testing, like, are you still a Stark or are you not? And while she didn't leave or something like that, like, you know, Arya would have before, she... You can see the look on her face, you know what I mean? That she's still, there's still Arya left in there, yeah. whether she wants to believe it or not. Like, when she was laughing at it and it was all funny when it was uh, King Rob, but when Ned came on and they were playing him as a fool and she mm-hmm. sees kind of what her father's legacy has become, you could see the look of hurt on her face and the look of anger, you know? And it was funny, they were trying to play it off. I, I thought they were playing it off as a reason we would want to see these characters killed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when, in last season, when she killed, um, I can't remember his name, but the, the Kingsguard that she killed yeah. very brutally at the end of the season, they showed that he was like a child molester and things like that. You know what I mean? And to the audience, this is supposed to be like, sorry, this is supposed to be like, you know, this guy deserves to die. This like, justifying you know, it to child us. Child molester, he's a child beater. Yeah, exactly. So we would feel bad for the guy. And I thought that maybe they were going this route, too. Like, oh, we want you to hate all these actors because look what they're doing to, you know, Ned and look how they're telling this story and things like that. But then they showed him backstage and showed that they really weren't bad people, you know. So they kind of flipped that on their head. And then as far as her asking questions and things like that, I think that's also... Arya still being left in there, you know? Arya was very untrustworthy in her nature. Like, ever since her father died, she questioned everything and trusted no one, and she's still trying to let go of that. And Jacques and Agar is trying to make her let go of that by saying, you know, why do you ask so many questions? If you want to serve the many-faced God, you know, you don't, you don't need to be asking any questions. So I think it's still this battle that's going inside of herself, even though the desire to be a faithless man might be winning over right now, that Arya inside of her still isn't dying. And, and, and just to clarify for, for those listening and for those who may not know, if for whatever reason she falls off of this path, right, to be the faithless man, when, when he says she does not get a third chance, what does he mean? Does he mean she's going to die? Does he mean that, you know, she can't do what she's trying to do here anymore? What, what does he mean by that? Just clarify that for people if, you know, if there's a clarity to that. I think he means that he'll kill her. That, that's, um, that's what I thought, too. Said when, when he gave her the poison, he said one way or another, a face will be added here. So basically, he's trying to tell her, it's her, it's you. You know what I mean? Yeah, and she fails at this. I, do, I think, yeah, I think it'll be... If she fails this, and if she fails to become a faceless man, then he's going to offer. And the faceless men aren't people you want coming after you. Right, right. No, I, I, yeah. And, and I liked his quote when she said, like, you know, the, the actress doesn't seem like a bad person. He said, you know, does death only come for those who are, I, I'm not going to quote for word for word, but for those who are bad or, you know, that are not wicked. good people. Yeah, yeah. wicked. 
Um, death only comes for the wicked. Yep. Yeah, so I like that, how he threw that in. But um, I, I always go back to the point with, with her here is when she does, you know, totally take over this faceless um, faceless man or faceless position, however you want to call it, you know, how, how does her story tie into the rest is what I'm interested in. You know what I mean? Like, how does it tie into the Starks and, you know, uh, the throne and all this kind of stuff? I'm, always, I'm really interested to see her story move along and see where, where where does she see her family again in this in this story? You know what I mean? Um, so I'm, oh, yeah, intru- I'm interested to see how it's all going to unfold. Come together. Yeah, and, I mean, we, and we've that's seen a lot of the part with this show is we have all these moving parts. You know what I mean? And we want to see how they come together. Exactly. Um, if I had to, if I had to pop a theory on it, um, I've heard rumblings and I've heard this theory elsewhere. So I'm not going to 100 percent credit this to myself. I'm trying to think of. I don't know. I've read so much and listen to so much over the past few years but <laughs> that I can't think of exactly where it came from but the theory was that you know Don Snow cheated death the faceless men worship death so they might see John as like an abomination so maybe she gets an assignment to go kill John oh, man. and that's how she ends up back in Westeros you know what I mean yeah. like, that was that was one of my favorite theories that I would like to see unfold. I don't know exactly that it goes that way, but I do think that would be a way to kind of tie it back in and, you know, have her truly become no one, have her truly show that she's not Arya anymore, and then she gets this assignment to go kill John. she's going to go through it without question, and then once she sees John, everything kind of comes flooding back. Yeah, because that's going mean? to that's, that's be the interesting part, is when she sees one of these people again, right? Because we haven't, she hasn't bumped into any of these people um, her sister or exactly. John or her brothers. It's going to be interesting to see that first meeting, you know, again with one of these people, how, you know, how she handles it. Um, so, like I said, that, that was, um, you know, an important part of the show, but, of course, probably overlooked by a lot of people, you know, due to other things that have happened in this episode. Um, right, most of this episode was overlooked. Yeah. <laughs> um, w- w- one of the other things that I feel, you know, c- could have, you know, been slid under the rug a little bit probably was the, the whole Greyjoys um, and everything that happened there again, because I just feel like a lot happened in this episode, right? So I feel like some things have to get overlooked or or have less attention brought to them. But um, again, this was uh, a set of characters who you on the podcast said bored you, right? I mean, to an extent, you said you feel mm-hmm. like it's kind of wasted screen time. Um, d- did this? Um, did this? Did these scenes that we've seen with Euron and and um, you know and Yara and Theon? Did, did this? pique your interest at all anymore than where you've been at lately or is it still not working for you damn near totally flipped the script on me like i am a lot more in favor of this storyline than what i was obviously they need to carry it out i want to see the execution of it but i think the way that it's going after the king's moot and after yara lost the king's moot to yaron while he was getting sworn in which one thing, it shows that the Island Iron Islanders are kind of stupid because they're just all watching him get sworn in as king and their whole fleet's getting stolen. Yeah. They don't even notice. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was watching, I was like, y'all are some dumbasses. Like, they're taking all your shit and you're not even, you're not even watching this shit. Like, you don't have guards over there. But, anyway, I think, um, I think Yara and Theon are making a beeline for Daenerys right now. That's what I was going to ask you is, you know, what, 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 where do you think they go? Because, I mean, obviously that wasn't made obvious at all in the scene, in the, in the episode. And so, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't know if they were trying to get there before he got there, you know, basically steal his idea and go with it. Or, you know, if they're going to, you know, try to land somewhere else and, and, and join someone else's. 
um, you know, mission or whatever they're on, but, um, you know, stealing his idea. I mean, I guess they can't steal it completely because, you know, he was offering his package up, which, you know, yeah, Theon trying, can't yeah, offer right, up. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Neither they, of them have that. Yeah, so they can't offer it up straight up exactly how he was offering, but maybe that's where they'll go. Um, it was also... Well, could you imagine that guy trying to seduce Daenerys? Come on. Yeah, right. He doesn't know Daenerys like we know Daenerys. Like, she would laugh at him. She'd yeah. take his chips and laugh at him. Yeah. But he... I do think that stealing his idea is the obvious route to go for them. You know what I mean? That To go there to try to warn them of, warn Daenerys of their foolish uncle. You know what I mean? And uh, have ships to offer already. There might not be a thousand ships, but it's ships nonetheless. And they have people with them that know how to build the finest ships. So it's not just we have these ships. We also have captains. We have sea people. We have people that can build ships for you. But so I do think that's the obvious. I think they're making a beeline straight for them, and that's what makes me so excited for this because it's like you were talking about earlier, how you, you wonder how her story becomes, you know, classes in with the other people. Watching this world come together and watching these characters all come together, like when, I'm not going to lie, when, Yara gets off the boat if that's where she's going and she starts talking to, to Daenerys or to Tyrion or to whoever's there, I'm going to be really excited for it. And that's not something I was expecting because, like I said, I wasn't interested in these characters at all. But once you start throwing them in the mix with some of the people that I am more interested in, then then it lifts their whole storyline up. So, yeah, this week definitely changed the whole my whole perspective on the Iron Islands. You, you you would think the producers were listening to us, man. You know, you would think the directors yeah, right. were listening to the podcast. But it, but it, but it's funny because you know, like you said, um, we've seen in the beginning of the season they lost all their boats too. You know, in Marine, mm-hmm. um, so it only makes exactly. sense. You know that these guys bring the boats there, and and the the cool thing about these characters with Theon and Yar, you know, I don't think they have any interest in sitting on the throne or anything like that. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think their ambition is that high. I think, you know, they're fine with going and helping her and letting her get to the throne um, because it doesn't seem like they have interest in sitting on, you know, the throne in, the, in that sense. They wanted to be the king of the Iron Isles or whatnot, but not, I don't think, it, you know, their, their, their goals are that high. You know what I mean? As far as themselves, personally, I think they would be willing to help someone else get there um, rather than themselves, you know, fight for that spot. Um, so it's going to be interesting you know, like you said, it, it, it makes sense, you know, for them to go there and kind of get in their boats, you know, since we've seen how the season started with the boats, the Marines. So, so exactly. That'll be interesting. Um, what else? We also have, you know, speaking of the mother of dragons, um, we kind of had a, an intimate scene with her too, you know, sort of like we did with Sansa, um, sort of like we had in the end of the episode, um, another, um, emotional, uh, you know, tug at your heartstrings type of scene, um, where, um, fi- finally, you know, she opens up to, um, Jaron and basically says, you know, you, I, I, I kick you out, you come back, you know, you save my life, all these things. He's, you know, come and gone twice. No matter how many times she's kicked him out, he's come back. Um, he admits that I actually love you. You know, that's why I do this. He never really actually said that straight out before till this episode um and so mm-hmm. in some kind of non-sexual way at least for her they both love each other and they both admitted to this um although he wishes it was sexual i'm sure um that's not how she oh, meant yeah. it but she says you know you're gonna stay here with me and he of course tells her he has grayscale um like you would tell someone you had aids or something and he was like i'm at, i can't stay here i got this thing you know don't touch me and um 
it was funny how, you know, she's like, I'm giving you an order to go find a cure. Um, so obviously we know when she gives an order, how he reacts. Um, so he's going to go out there. I'm sure search the world for this. We have no clue how quick grayscale moves. Um, you know, we have no clue if there's even a cure. The only little piece that we have is that Stannis's daughter had grayscale and obviously it had stopped, um, you know, from getting worse. So there's hope, you know, that he'll find something, but we don't really have any clue, um, where he's going to go. Right. Yeah, I don't, um, I think the Maesters were the ones that cured Shireen. I'm not 100% sure on that. It was either them or the Red Priests. But I do think, and I want to throw this theory out there. I know we're going to be doing um, predictions later on, but this this is it for the next episode. This is just for a period. I think he goes to Old Town, which is where the Citadel is, which is where all the Maesters are, which is where Samuel Tarly's going. Uh-huh. And I think he meets up with Sam. I think Sam helps Dora find a cure. And I think those two become a link for John and Daenerys to finally meet. I don't know if that'll happen this season, next season, but I think that's the route that's going in. I think you have kind of the two side characters meet. And they're both like, hey, man, I know this badass dude. He's promised <laughs> Dora's like, no, I know this badass girl. She was promised, you know. Like, and then they kind of become the link between those two worlds. But yeah, I think it was a very powerful scene. Just getting back to the scene with her and Dora, um, you could it's beautifully acted by Emily Clark. You know, you could see on her face the sadness and the anger and just all these emotions that were flooding through her at the same time. And I do like how she kind of flipped the script as soon as he said it. And I do like the fact that Dora didn't hide it from her. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't, oh, cool, I'm back in your good graces. I'm just going to keep this secret a little longer. Yeah. Like, he was, boom, right out open with it. It shows how much he cares about her. It shows his the level of his service for her. And I do think he'll do everything he can to try to find a cure, whereas before he was probably just, I need to help her now, and then I'm going to die. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> the fact that she gave him that order, he has to follow it now. That's just what an honorable man would do. And Joy is nothing if not honorable. At least now, he was a little less honorable in season one. Yeah. <laughs> and is this the first time that we've seen her react to someone in that way? Like, to show that she, like that she wants them in her life, she needs them in her life. Is this the first time that we've seen her do that to somebody? Yeah, I think the um, the most emotional one she got over somebody was when Cal Droger died. Right, You know, like, I think that was really the last time we saw this level of emotion. I think she kind of shut that part of herself off. Now, she was sad when Paris and Selmy died. Right, also. right, right. You know what I mean? She's very sad over that. But I think I think she kind of shut that part of it off. You know, I know she has, like, the whole, that she had sex with Dario and whatnot. But I think that's a strictly physical thing. That's just, you're a physical specimen. I'm a woman. I have needs. You can fulfill these needs. It's almost like a business contract. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, right. And I, I don't think there's any emotional involvement there at all and while it's not the sexual relationship that Jordan might want I think that emotional relationship means so much more than listen, actually having physical contact listen, man, with if, he like has, she's, if he has she's any, not going to be this if he has any issue with right. the physical contact I'm here you know what I mean just they can work on the emotional they can work on the emotional stuff I mean just give me a call mother of dragons I'm here you know just a phone call like away. Some, some, this, 
Yeah, right. I'll be your Dario. Don't worry. <laughs> but just something something tells me like if Dario had grayscale like that, she wouldn't be that emotional over it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the long run, that means so much more for Dora that she cares that much about him than Dario getting to take her to bed. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, no, I definitely, I, de- I definitely know what you mean. And so we, we, besides that, we didn't see a lot of of her in this episode, but we did again, of course, see Marine, um, which we got to assume that's where she's going to be going back to um, now with her, you know, Dothraki army. Um, and, and we see an interesting scene here. Okay, we we see a new character, which is um, a new red priestess, um, like Melisandre, but just you know, this one is a Marine. And obviously Tyrion summoned her, um, you know, for protection reasons. That's what he said in the episode. And, and so we've seen an, an interesting exchange between her and Varys. Um, you know, he obviously questioned her, her, you know, if you want to call it religion, her magic, whatever you want to call it. He, he questioned the God of Light, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, she had an interesting, you know, story for him about when he was castrated. And it, it almost seemed like she threatened him in a way, you know, like, sort of like, I, I know, you know, the guy you've kind of been, you know, because we've seen him play the fence kind of, right, with people, um, sort of, you know, whichever way benefited him, kind of, we've seen mm-hmm. him do that. Um, and she said, as long as, you know, as long as you're on the queen side and I'm on the queen side, we have no issues. Um, wh- wh- do you think, so there's so many questions here, you know, when, you know, when Danny comes back, is she going to embrace you know this whole thing because this would be this is new to her. I don't think she's ever um, dealt with the, the religion side of it as far as um, the God of Light. And so you know when she comes back, a whole lot of stuff could really get you know fucked up for for you know a lack of a better term. Like it could really go crazy, right? I mean, um, everything oh, yeah. that these guys have kind of laid out right now really mean nothing when she gets back. Um, yeah, she could totally blow it up. Yeah. So this this whole thing could just kind of you know go go haywire. Um, where where do you think? the and it was funny because she said you know she's the the chosen one right kind of like the same thing melisandre is saying about Jon snow um so like you said we're kind of all these characters almost seem like you said like they're pushing those two together you know the Jon snow and and daenerys so um where how far do you think all this goes when she comes back what do you what do you think stays the same what do you think you know where do you think she leans if you have to choose a way when this all when she comes back well i think Tyrion could sell ice to a guy in north of the wall. You know what I mean? Like, he's, if, if he has anything, he has the gift of gab. So I do think he'll be able to show his logic in it. Um, if you remember back to when, uh, I know it seems like so long ago, but when Tyrion was in uh, Volantis, the place that he got kidnapped by uh, uh, Jorah, right. he saw a red priest preaching about Daenerys in Marine. I do remember that. He was... Yeah, he had all the followers around and he was preaching about So I think that's where he got the idea. You know what I mean? And But I do think as far as when Daenerys comes back, I do think that Tyrion will be able to show her his logic. I think she'll be more pissed off about the slave masters than she will about the uh, Red Priestess. Like, I do think that that would strike a chord with her more. I think he'd be able to talk her into the Red Priestess. Like, this is your person on the ground that's going to be spreading your mess- message, you know what I mean? He can kind of sell her that way as opposed to more selling the religious aspects of it. You know, like, you don't have to believe in this. And the Red Priestess might even tell her, like, you don't have to believe in this. The Lord of Light believes in you. 
You know what I mean? That's just what you always get from Christians. You know, you don't have to believe in God. God believes in you. Yeah. You know, so, like, she could even sell it to her. Like, he, even if you don't believe in this faith, you know, I'm still going to follow you because you were the princess that was promised or whatever. But one thing I wanted to point out with this is kind of the parallel between Tyrion and Cersei. Because you look back to last season, Cersei tried to use religious fanaticism to her advantage, and it blew up totally in her face. And I'm wondering if they're going that route a little bit with this, too. You see Tyrion embracing a religious fanatic to try to use that and to funnel that. And that's the thing with fanatics is they can't be used because they're so devout in their faith that they can't see any other, any other path. Right. So I'm wondering if this kind of all blows up in Tyrion's face same way that it blew up in Turkey. And that's always kind of been a thing, you know, in history and everything where kings or people in power um, either either have to, you know, kind of work with religion, you know, of the time or become enemies of religion of the time. It always seems like a, 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 a history-long battle, you know, um, is, you know, the king or the people in power and then religion. They're kind of like the two powers, if you if you want to say it that way. Um, oh, exactly. Yeah, so that's what and I look think. At, like when Christianity got it started, it got it started by, um, I think it was, I think it was Constantinople was the emperor. Don't, don't quote me on that. But he, <laughs> he said that he, he said that an angel came to him and told him to put, crosses on the shields and they would win the battle the next day and he did that and they won in battle the next day and up until that point christianity was a fringe religion you know you, you look at like nero used to burn christians in the uh in the gladiator fields but then once the emperor embraced it it became the state religion they switched all of the you know the uh polygamous temples or the uh polytheist temples to Christian temples, and now Christianity is the biggest religion in the world, you know what I mean? So it's all kind of a struggle between the people in power and how much they embrace that religion. We even see that in our country to this day, you know what I mean? Like, you can't say you're Muslim and get elected. Like, that just wouldn't happen, you know? Right, you that's, that's what I mean. say that you're Christian because that's the accepted religion of the land. So it is this kind of dichotomy, even if you had tried to have separation of church and state, that one hand washes the other, you know, church embraces state, state has to embrace church in order for both of them to survive. Exactly. And, and, one, and one other thing I do want to kind of mention back on what you said earlier about um, Tyrion getting this idea from a previous episode with the priestess where he's seen them in the other city. Um, it, it goes to show you, and, you know, we, we try to say this as much as we can on the show and, and anywhere you, you know, listen or read about Game of Thrones, you'll hear this. Um, whenever whenever someone knocks any episode and says it's slow or, you know, why why are they showing me this? There's it, they always go back. Do you know what I mean? They, they, there's always something related to another episode that already happened. Do you know what I mean? So in, in that scene that you're referring to where we've seen that Red Priestess and, and Tyrion was watching it, there wasn't any real indication why we were seeing that at the time, you know, other than him just, you know, listening in on it. But again, they they use that now. Do you know what I mean? So and anytime exactly. you're watching something and the scene seems slow to you or you're not sure why it's connecting, you have to you know, um, take in that moment because if it's not making sense to you in that moment when you're watching the show, it's going to be used in another episode. So 
you know, I try to explain to people as much as I can is, is there's no, there's no, nothing is being wasted here. Um, it just may not be oh, yeah, important no in the moment. On Game of Thrones. Exactly. So, you know, so, so we see how Marine is shaping up. We're going to see, uh, you know, a bunch of madness when she gets back. Um, and we have no clue, um, at the end of the day, you know, what decisions she's going to make when she gets back there, but that's what it's all kind of building up to. Um, the, the, the last thing that we wanted to get to, um, before we do any kind of other questions or foul or no foul or anything like that is brand. Okay. So, you know, oh man, here we go. Yeah. This is tough. <laughs> I'm going to start crying. Um, um, you know, so, so, so there's so much stuff that happens here and I guess we'll just kind of take it piece by piece. So we, we see Bran and he kind of, uh, you know, he sees that everyone's sleeping, right? Everyone's knocked out except him. And I guess he feels like this is his chance, um, to, to jump into, um, the whole Worgen world and, and, and into the past and flashback and all that kind of stuff on his own, um, where nobody can take him out of it. The three-eyed raven can't pull him out. Um, and, and this is, this is his moment, right? So, um, we see that goes really, really, really bad. Um, so kind of tell us what happened here when, when Bran goes back and, and, and kind of set the scene for us here. He reached for the apple, man. Um, there was, the temptation was just too much for him. You know, you, you tell a kid not to do something and what are they going to do? They're going to do exactly what you didn't tell them to do the minute they get a chance. And that's what happened with him. And um, not to my own horn, called her last week. She was to the podcast last week. You know, there's the reason we're doing this pod. You know, you come here for the predictions. We're just going to tell you what happens. <laughs> exactly. That's why, but, uh, I, that's why I wanted to give this, you know, hand it over to you a little bit here. Kind of, you know, let you explain, you know, what happened and kind of um, when, when he went into that flashback on his own, you know, what he experienced and kind of the, the issue that he created. Um, you know, we've we, we seen... You know, he got touched, right? And that kind of started the mess. Mm-hmm. Put his mark on him. Um, well, that's what you seen when he started the war. He immediately went there. And I don't think he was meaning to go to the, the uh, White Walker army, you know. And I think this was something that the Three-Eyed Raven was keeping at bay at all times. And he was powerful enough to do so, you know. Is the reason he's the Three-Eyed Raven. But he immediately went to that scene. He immediately went to where the White Walkers were. And when he's walking through that and you just see, like, the army of zombies and you see the horror on his face, you know, and then he sees the White Walker standing there and the White Walker turns and he sees him and he outbrands Bran, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden he pops up behind him and he grabs his arm and he puts his mark on him. And him putting that mark on him allowed them to break what at one time was an impenetrable force. You know what I mean? Like, when you think back to season four, the last episode, when they went there, the they were getting attacked by whites, and the, ch- the child of the forest was throwing them firebombs, and they were like, get inside, get inside. They can't come in here. Well, I think that mark that he put on him was him being able... It allowed him to breach the magical forces that were protecting all the people inside from the whites and from the White Walkers. Right, gave him that ground floor clearance, that Pentagon clearance, that Area 51 clearance. Um, my, my question is, when, when Bran did that flashback, um, that, that, that was the first time that anyone was able to like see Bran, right? So I, I guess I was confused. Like, that, it wasn't really a, a time and place kind of thing. Was there anything there for him to see? What, I mean, what was the, the point of that, that flashback? Do you know what I mean? Like, the way, the yeah, way that I happened. I don't think... 
I don't think he was meaning to go there. Like I said, I think this is, this is something that the three-eyed Raven was keeping himself from happening all the time. And if you think back to the, the previous um, flashback, we learned a lot about the beginning of the White Walkers, that the children of the forest are the ones who created the White Walkers. And I'm wondering, I'm not 100% sure on this, um, I'm wondering if the weirwood tree that they were under, that the uh, three-eyed raven was grown into the roots, was that same tree that they created the White Walkers on. You know what I mean? If, if they were li- literally living in kind of ground zero for the White Walkers, which might, you know, give the Night's King kind of a an ancient, you know, right. bonding to this place. You know what I mean? That, like I said, the Three-Eyed Raven was, was keeping at bay. And I, so I don't think Bran was meaning to do that. I think Bran was probably meaning to go back to the Tower of Joy, if I had to guess where his, uh, where his chosen destination was. Like, that's where he wanted to go. But I think that the Night's King's magic was too much for him to be able to overcome right. in his and, kind of adolescent state in this world. And so are we meant to uh, assume, I guess, that the whole time the White Walkers are, are looking for them? I mean, is that... Is that what we're supposed to assume? Like, that they are looking for this tree, that they are looking for the three-eyed raven, that they're looking for Bran? Like, that, that is a mission that they've been on this whole time? I mean, is that something we just have to assume? Yeah, I think that was definitely part of it. I think um, the Night's King might not have known exactly who it was, but I think he always knew that this was kind of a looming threat. Okay. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I do think Bran has a really big role to play in the war to come because the Night's King wouldn't have attacked that ferociously if Bran wasn't important, you know what I mean? So it shows Bran's importance to the overall story, but I don't think that the Night's King was necessarily knowing, necessarily knew exactly who he was looking for, and even if he did, he knew that he couldn't breach that that fortress until that happened. Right. Because even Three-Eyed Raven said, your mark's on him, I can't keep him out now. You know, you guys gotta go. You know what I mean? And then he took a long time for Bran to get through some training i guess but we kind of see the reason why uh later on right right because i guess that they were in that scene right and bran asks him um you know he says you have to go now and he says um you know am i ready and he says you're not ready and so then he you know um works back and they kind of go off again into a flashback and i guess in this point he's supposed to be getting all all the training that he hadn't gotten until this point kind of in a you know a fast course right but yeah, um, yeah, and then in, in the flashback, um, you know, he, he, he takes control of Hodor and um, basically, you know, is now warged into him, you know, to, to get him out of there. Um, and so mm-hmm. as, as they're running out of the tree, obviously, the three eyed raven gets killed and says, you know, I guess just trust me on this. You're now me. You know, you're, you're not my role. And um, obviously, Hodor and them are now you know, running for their life because all these walkers that are now, you know, free to come into the tree are obviously trying to kill Bran and everybody there. And so we, we, we get a whole backstory here to why Hodor says Hodor. Um, and obviously this was a, you know, emotional scene for everybody watching. We, you know, we've gotten this character who we've all, um, you know, fell in love with. And there's, there's never been a reason to not like him or, you know, to dislike him or anything like that. His character has always been good. And so, you know, in this scene, actually, you know, at the end of this uh, end of this episode, the three-eyed raven is killed. Um, 
all the the forest children, at least that we've seen in this episode, are killed. Um, Brand's direwolf Summer dies. You know, risks his life. Yeah, R.I.P. Summer. Yeah, R.I.P. Man, the direwolves are having a rough season, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Poor little I mean, that's liquor. Two and five episodes gone. Like, yeah, it's, it's there's only two left now, right? I think there's John's. Uh, yeah, um, and Arya's, Ghost right? and Nymira are the only two left. Um, there, there was word of uh, Nymira is Arya's direwolf. Yeah. There was word. There's been word of, um, I guess, a direwolf kind of attacking in the Riverlands. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But. None of that is confirmed, so we don't really know where Nymira is, and then Ghost is obviously with John. Right. So really, Ghost is the only direwolf that's with its master right now. And so S- Summer just straight up sacrificed, you know, its life. It didn't even yep. try to run. It didn't, you know, it jumped right into it. Um, and then, of course, um, as the scenes end in, um, we're, we're leaded out to um, Hodor. Uh, basically, you know, we, we're kind of like panning back and forth from the flashback and then in the current moment. And we see, you know, in, in the flashback, we see, I guess, uh, Hodor uh, as a boy. And he, he falls to the ground and he starts saying, you know, to hold the door. And and then, of course, at the same time, um, you know, uh, Mira, I believe it's Mira, um, keeps saying the same thing to him, mm-hmm. hold the door. And, you know, we keep hearing it repeated over and over until, you know, hold the door turns into hold door. Um, and we realize that this is why he's been saying this, you know, his whole his whole life. Um, j- just for clarity, so I'm trying to uh, make sense of it to myself, to, to listeners, to everybody. Um, the the scene when he's younger and Bran is watching him like collapse on the floor and, and saying "hold the door." Um, it, did that actually happen, or is it only happening because Bran is there doing it? I think. I think the way it works, and now time travel being introduced to this, you know, you always have to think about time travel laws and they're varying from different things to different things. But I think this always happened. Right, because that's why he's saying whole door in the present, right? Exactly, yeah, exactly. So this always happened. And if you think, for people that might be confused about it, think to um, the first Terminator, right? Uh Gets, I can't. I can't remember his name, but he gets sent back by John Connor to save uh, John Connor's mom from the Terminator, and in doing that, he becomes John Connor's father. So, if you think about it that way, he was always sent back, and he's always been John Connor's father. You know what I mean? Right. So, anything that Brand does in the past has always happened. You know, we're not we're not thinking of, you know, parallel dimensions and time paradoxes and things like that that you would see in some forms of science science fiction, you know, where it's kind of you create an alternate alternative timeline if you mess with the past and then another alternative timeline, you know, the the butterfly effect. You know what I mean? I think this is more like the the theory of, you know, if you watch like True Detective, you know, you always said time is a flat circle. You know what I mean? And I think that's what we're dealing with here. Time is a flat circle. These things always happened. And any time that Bran went, goes from here on out, if he affects the past at all, then it always happened that way. And that's got to make you question kind of this whole world. You know what I mean? Like, if you think about it, like, Bran was named after Bran the Builder, who was a great, he was a first man. He was a great Stark ancestor. He's the one that built Winterfell. He's the one that built the wall. Now, was Bran 
named after Brand the Builder or was Brand Brand the Builder? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like these are the type of things that we have to think about now that are actually possible. And it opens up this whole new world of possibilities. But I like the fact that they went the route of these things always happened, not that brain can't go back and just fix everything. You know what I mean? Like, he can't go back and save his dad because that's not what happened. Right. His dad died. You know what I mean? And this is something that's going to be eating away at Brandon. And I think it's something he's going to have to juggle because he's got to think, okay, did this happen or did this not? Am I messing things up? Or what? You know what I mean? Like, he's got to juggle that because I don't think he's going to necessarily 100% understand what's happening. You know, we have other works of science fiction to pull things from, but if you think about it like if you were in this world, if you were in Brand's shoes, you don't really understand what just happened. You've never been introduced to time travel before. This is a completely foreign concept to you. So he's got to think of how do my actions affect the past, and you could see that he was really affected by that when yeah. he was watching Hodor on the ground having a seizure. You know what I mean? Like he, You could see on his face that he was like, I did this. And I didn't even realize it. You right. know what I mean? Like I've been with this guy my whole life, and I didn't. And I'm the cause of him basically becoming a simpleton that right. can only say one word. Right. And, and so that's why we know Bran is going to be super important because think of all the people who have lost their life for Bran um, just at this point. You know what I mean, um, we have the Red Raven, we have Hodor, we have the the, the Dire Wolf Summer. We have the you know the, the children Georgian, of the forest last season, right? And, and, and even at that point, the three-eyed raven says he knew he was going to die. I mean, he, he did that knowing exactly. this, you know. So um, it obviously yep. you know <clears throat> excuse me, it obviously <clears throat> points out the importance of uh, you know brand moving forward. I did get a uh, a question about about brand and uh, you know this this scene kind of. So um, on the FL app, uh, there's a guy named. Um, the Omega Ginger, super cool dude, super into Game of Thrones, and and just you know cool to talk to. Um, first, um, you know, first for him, I do want to shout him out because um, we were made aware that he's actually having his first kid. Um, so so you know, congratulations to his actual his actual name is James. <laughs> so um, shout oh, out yeah, to James congrats, for that. Man. That's awesome. Yeah, ain't so nothing like it, man. Just yeah. wait. Your first, your first <laughs> born. Just now, brother. <laughs> You're first born in the Omega Great. Ginger house, house of Omega Ginger. Yep. Um, so he asked a question, though. He he, he basically said, um, you know, what kind of repercussions, you know, will, will Brand messing with time have, and how far will he go with it? Um, I, I guess you kind of answered that a second ago. You don't, you don't know how much it affects it. I mean, am I right as far as you think things happen regardless? Yeah, I think, I think that's kind of the concept that George R. R. Martin is playing with is that anything that we're looking at right now, Bran has already affected this. So if Bran goes back into the past, he's already been there. So from any moment in this, from now on, like I don't, I don't think he can go back and save Ned. I don't think he can just go back and save somebody's life because that's not helping. So anything that we see from now on with him going back to the past, this has already been written. Right. It's already happened this way. You know what I mean? So I don't think we can have like a gigantic profound impact on the show that we're watching right now from that standpoint because it's already happened. I think it'll be more kind of revealing 
this world. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. You said that, that emphasis of when was when. I'm wondering, like, when the chop. You know, you're, you're breaking up a little bit there, man. I'm not sure. Uh, oh, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. There you go. Am I good? Yeah, you're good, man. Okay. But when, uh, we're talking about time said, travel and uh, all this stuff, and your phone starts going out, man. This happens, you know. Yeah, no. We right? started talking about serious stuff, and, and, and <laughs> people start interfering, man. <laughs> but yeah, when she looked at him and said, "Like we created the White Walkers, basically as like a nuclear option to save ourselves from you," was she talking about Bran? Was she talking about the First Men? You know what I mean? Like, these are all possibilities that we have to open our mind to now. But I don't think that he could just, like, go back and just start righting all the wrongs that have happened already. I don't think that's something we'll see. I think it's more the reveals. Like, I think we'll get a lot of reveals about the, the history of Westeros through Bran and how Bran has already shaped this world. Yeah, and, and, and like you said, you know, this opens up so many possibilities, so many... Um, options, you know, for the writers and directors to go with the story, basically, and and it, even in, you know, the the the, the scene where where obviously Hodor is holding the door, um, and we see them escaping, but it looks like for previews for next week, uh, like they're still kind of being chased, right? Um, yeah, they're still. So I don't know him. how they get out they of that situation. He still has a mark on him. Yeah, that's that's something I'm wondering myself because he still has the mark on him. You know what I mean? Like that's. Uh, that's not something that he can run from. So I'm wondering how he's going to be able to get away from that, and that might have a little bit to do with my bold prediction coming up later. But I just want to say, like, one of the cool... This is one of the best things about this show, is that everybody was stopped, shocked when Ned died and sad. Everybody rejoiced when Joffrey died, you know what I mean? Everybody was saddened when John died, you know? But these were main players. I right. didn't expect myself to care as much about Hodor. You know what I mean? Like, and this was one of the most moving, but like I cried when I was watching this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I did not expect to have that kind of emotional attachment to Hodor. So even though he's a minor character and somebody that we haven't even really seen much of in two years, because they weren't in the entire season last season, to show that just through a 15-minute scene, they can make you so emotionally uh, interested into a character. Just the way they shoot it, the way that they plot it out, was just outstanding. And that's why this show blows any other show that's ever been out there out of the water. Because no other show could take a character that's been such a small part and make you care so much when they die. Not Breaking Bad, not Walking Dead, not any of them. They cannot give you that kind of emotional investment in this character. And I do think one of the things that really kind of struck me when Hodor died is in this world, there is no innocent people. There is no good. There is no bad. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's kind of in this gray area. You know, one season we hate the Lannisters. Next season we love the Lannisters. One season we hate Theon. Next season we love Theon. Aside from, like, Daenerys, John, and then you're obviously on the other side of the spectrum, Joffrey and Ramsay, who are, like, you know, embodiments of evil, everybody plays in this gray area. But Hodor was truly an innocent. You know what I mean? Like, it was almost 
like watching a kid die. Yep. Because she was such a simpleton. And I think that was one of the reasons that it, at least it touched me so emotionally was like, the Hodor was so innocent. And for him to go out in such a violent manner was just, yeah, it was, it was heart wrenching. Yeah, like I mean, that's, that's you know, the only thing I can say about it. Yeah, it, it was the way it was shot. It was the music they were playing. It was the words being repeated over and over. You know, hold mm-hmm. the door, hold door. Like, um, you know, it was kind of like being, you know, screamed and like pleaded, like hold the door. You know, hold door. And then, and like you said, he's so innocent. Um, you know, he's lived his entire life. The beauty in it is he lived his entire life for that moment. Do you know what I mean? Like, he mm-hmm. didn't know it. We didn't know it. Brand didn't know it, but that's like that's been his mission his whole life, and you know we we figured it out in that moment, and it just happened to be a moment that you know he lost his life in at the same time, and and like you said, you know, but the minor characters or you know we think are minor characters like Hodor, um, the dire wolves, um, you know their deaths really mess with us. You know what I mean? Like, it, w- would you put this in, in one of the top three deaths of the show as far as uh, emotional uh, impact of the, of the of the watchers and the fans of the show? Yeah, I do. I think um, I think Ned is obviously up there. It set the precedent. You know what I mean. Uh, John is obviously up there, just because that was that was such a shocker, and John was kind of like the last guy we had left. You know what I mean. But it it kind of scares me for this season. Like, are they just going to start knocking people off? Like, nobody's safe anymore. You know what I mean. And and we've always said that about this show that nobody's safe. But really, I'm wondering, like, like nobody's safe. Like, is Tyrion gonna die next episode? You oh, know, man. is he gonna come back and have him put to death? You know what I mean? Like, we have, I have no clue who's going to die, what's going to happen. But yeah, I definitely think it's top three or four. Um, I think Ned's up there. I think the Red Wedding, obviously, was a complete shock, and to to have him have Rob die two seasons after Ned died. You know what I mean? Like, that was a huge shock. And then John, two seasons later. So, but yeah, I do think just as far as just how much it pulled at you, just with, like you said, the way they shot it, the music, all of that, like, it's definitely going to be one of my most memorable moments from this show. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and before we close on the whole whole brand thing, uh, in in a sense, um, I also got a, a question sent in by, listen, now, um, on the FL app, GLR two three five, we answered two questions of his last week, right? We liked the questions he sent, and they were good. So to to um today, I think it was, um I I was asking around any questions for the show, and you know he gives us this this wise ass question, man, and you know we're emotional right now about Hodor, and I don't know if we need to uh, ban GLR for a, a week for questions or what, <laughs> but uh, he throws this question at me, man, and you tell me how you react to it. His question was, how long is it appropriate to hold a door for? Come on, man. Come on. Have some sympathy, man. I'm over here crying about Hodor, and you're asking me how yeah, long, how long is appropriate. Maybe I humor than you do. <laughs> I kind of find that funny, you know. What I mean? Yeah, Maybe I'm playing with my emotions over here, man. That. My fra- my fragile <laughs> yeah, moment. That's that's so messed up. <laughs> like, that's such a mean thing to do. But I'll definitely never take that phrase right again. You know what I mean? Like somebody's gonna ask me to hold the door, and I'm just gonna like uh, cradle up and start bawling. You yeah, know but- what I mean? Like five. Five years from now, it's just going to be a trigger for me. Like, somebody's going to say, hold the door, and I'm just going to start crying. Yeah, exactly. No the person you're holding the door for is like, is it that painful for you to hold the door for me, man? Like, like what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I 
the hell is wrong with this guy? Get up. <laughs> exactly, man. Yeah, it's, it was, man. It was, it was, it was like, like you said, everything about it, you know, down to every, every little piece of it was just done perfectly, and um, yeah, you know, they nailed it, man. They, they really did nail it. Um, before, before we um, get into our bold predictions, I just want to, I was, you know, we, we get a bunch of, uh, you know, emails and, and tweets and all kinds of stuff with questions and stuff. And I just wanted to kind of go over some of um, the Fowler and O-Fowls um, that we got here. I'm just going to kind of jump around and, and try to pick out some of the best ones because we did get a bunch. Actually, shout out to the Cheesehead also. And again, the Omega Ginger on the FL app because they sent a, a bunch over, man, a bunch. And so I'll try to pick some that we can here. Um uh, Fowler, no foul. Marjorie is doing a walk downtown. Do you think she's going to take the uh, the famous walk? Fowler, no foul. Um, foul. Foul. Like the the man in me. The man in me hopes maybe. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say foul. Um, I th- I don't see it playing out that way. I think when you look at like the previews for next week, you see the Tyrell Army lined up in front of the. Uh, the high sept and I just I don't think it's going to play out that way I think it's going to be more of a battle scene than what we got with Cersei which was you know the emotional walk and kind of the torment I, I don't see it happening that yeah way. I don't see it happening either we've already happen. went like, through this it this is supposed to be the queen you know like this you can't you can't let it's one thing to let the queen mother walk through the streets naked but you cannot let the queen walk through the streets naked like that totally invalidates any sign of power that you have if you allow that to happen so yeah foul i don't think it's gonna happen yeah i agree we, we've already seen it you know that that scene made its mark on us it, it had its impact and i think if you do the same thing again uh it just doesn't it doesn't work as well so i think even from a yeah. you know director or writer standpoint they just know that the impact wouldn't be you know wouldn't be there for that um another one uh ghost and amira don't survive this season foul or no foul I'm gonna straight up. I'm gonna say, say no foul. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say. I think. Yeah, I think Ghost dies. Oh, but you think I they think both Ghost, die? I think he dies. Um, actually, I don't know about Nymeria just because we haven't seen her. You know what I mean? So I would say Nymeria probably makes it. Um, but Ghost, but Ghost is a goner. Any sign of it? But yeah, I think Ghost is gone. I think Ghost dies trying to protect John in some way. I think. I think by the end of this season. Nobody will have the dire wolf. You know what I mean? I think that's maybe why they haven't even like in the show they haven't mentioned Nymeria. They've you know they haven't like because what I said about like a a dire wolf attacking the the Riverlands that's more in a book thing. You know what I mean? Right. But they haven't really mentioned that on the show. So yeah, I think the the point of this season is going to be none of the Starks have the wolf swept. So yeah, I think Ghost is gone by the end of the season. Man, I hope you're wrong. I hope you're wrong. I'm just gonna say you're wrong, just for argument's sake. So you're wrong, I. and from my heart, you're wrong, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a couple more here. I just want to throw out a couple more. Okay. Um, the let's see, uh, foul or no foul, let it in little finger live will bite Sansa in the ass. I'm gonna say foul on that. I think. Um, I think the way it's going to play out, like, I don't know, maybe in the long run it will, but I don't think when it's all said and done, because you still got to think about what the the big battle is, and I'm wondering how big of a role Littlefinger actually plays in that. I see what you're saying. Sorry, hold on just a second. Put my phone on, Judge. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, I don't, 
I don't think he has a big role to play in that. He's already shown himself to be a coward, you know, when he was like, I'll beg for my life, things like that. But I think what's going to happen is is that they're going to be in a rough situation with Ramsey, and the Army of the Veil is going to come kind of through the age, kind of like the way the Tyrells did with Blackwater. Right. And they, you know, it seemed like the battle was lost, and all of a sudden Tyrells come in and they're the heroes. And I think that's what Littlefinger is going to do to try to win favor with both John and Sandra. You know, he's going to come in, you know, maybe even like on a horse at the front of the army acting like he's actually doing something. <laughs> but he's going to he's going to come in and try to carry their favor that way. So I don't I don't I think it was a smart move by her to keep him in his back pocket. And I think that'll be proven. Gotcha. Yeah, I was actually thinking the, uh, you know, the little finger coming in saving the day thing, too. I wasn't sure, you know, if it was too predictable or not, but um. I, I was thinking that too, just because it just made sense, you know, for it to happen that way. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, Littlefinger is always an interesting character. You know, he, he's, he's never really done the thing that we thought he was going to do. So we'll see. But again, um, I think his love yep. for Sansa is so strong that, you know, it's hard to see anything else happening. Otherwise, um, the, uh, the, the last, uh, the last foul or no foul that I wanted to pull here, um, is that Thorman, and Lady Brienne will have six-foot-tall babies. Foul or no foul? No foul. That is, that's something last week I meant to mention, and I didn't. This week I meant to mention, and I didn't. That's one of my favorite little subplots <laughs> of the show right now is, like, when you see him when they're on the horse and he just shoots at that, that goofy smile, you know, like, it's, it's, some, it's some necessary comedic value in it. And when uh, Tormund eating suggestively eating chicken is like my favorite thing that's become like my favorite meme on the internet is the look on his face when he's looking across the table and eating that chicken i think Brienne warms up the old Tormund. you know uh the omega ginger can testify to the strength of that red hair you know lady can't resist that so i think i think she'll i think she'll warm up to it you know and he likes he likes some big you know Tormund's big thing was that he fucked a bear once you know (laughs) so so, I mean, Brianne, she's about, you know, 6'4". So, he's looking at it like, I'll climb that tree. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they'll have some, I think they'll have babies bigger than the mountain. Man, their baby would be a mountain, bro. I mean, that baby will be huge. They got, they got some strong genetics, man. Those are, those right. are, those, those are, those, those two are meant to have babies, man. If that was, uh, that's, you know. That is, though, that's one sex scene that. Benny Alfred Weiss can skip. You know, oh, like they always oh, real cool about giving us the good. You can skip that one. You we know what? One. You know what? Because <laughs> you said that, my bold prediction this week is that we will see the sex scene between Brienne and Thurman. That is my bold prediction. Next episode, we will see it go uh, down, man. And, and you're going to love every right, second well, of it. You're going to love every second of it. Well, it, it might be the last time I get to watch Game of Thrones. That <laughs> might gouge my eyes out. Listen, man. Be, Listen, it's not that bad. Scene I see of Game of Thrones. It's not that bad, man. If, if I said to you, you had to see that scene and Hodor, Hodor doesn't die, what do you do? Uh, Hodor is kicking the bucket. Oh Sorry, man! Like, I Listen, couldn't, I couldn't. Guys, I Tony, can't do it, man. We cannot take Tony's comments too seriously. Clock Dodgers loves big, tall women. No bias the views, here. The views of this guy do not re- represent the views of Clock Dodgers. Is that what we're getting here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When it comes to women, very big, tall, masculine women, your views do not 
share are not expressions of clock dodgers because we will I see guess that one thing we'd find out well we'd find out for sure you know you don't fuck brand brand fucks you <laughs> oh my god listen man before we close this out because uh this is this is getting crazy what is your bold prediction <laughs> since i took your bold prediction of the sex scene i know i know you wanted it but it's okay i took it what is going to be your bold prediction for next episode try to get this show back on the rails yeah try to get uh, a little back on track uh, now that we now that we now that we've lost our tall women audience my bold prediction for next week because george r and martin and benny off and white so all assholes is that we're going to see white Hodor. We're going to see zombie Hodor. Oh, man. He's going to be attacking him. He's going to attack Bran? Yep. Oh, this, that's not cool. They didn't burn the body, man. That's true. You got to burn the body. That's true. So I think I think that's just because they're assholes and they like to play with our emotions. And watching Game of Thrones is like being in an abusive relationship. Yeah, and, they're and, gonna do that, and that like, still, you know, that still brings me to the part where you know I, I I'm interested to see how they, how they get out of that situation. You know, what I mean, it's just her and him. I mean, she's no Hodor pulling him. I mean, they're not gonna get that far, obviously. And these things are, you know, chasing them fast as hell. And and I don't I don't I I don't see any situation where how they get out of it. Obviously, they do, but yeah, I'm, you know, it's, it's gonna be interesting to see how they you know they're more children of the forest. Is it, you know, they're gonna bump into somebody? Do they? You know, does maybe he th- maybe Uncle Benjamin finally shows his head. Oh, Remember, man. he disappeared in like season one. Maybe he pops up. I guess, but I mean, it can't be just him, right? I mean, those things are like there's like hundreds of them, thousands of yeah, them. Yeah, I don't know. Like <laughs> maybe he could say, t- "Yeah, I have no idea." Just because he has that mark on him, like that's that's that to me is the most interesting thing for next week is how the writers get him out of that situation because he has the White Walker's mark on him. Man, this this episode was a lot to take in emotionally um you know as far as the storyline goes it was a lot to take in as far as you know the progress of the show and where we're going we got to see everybody's storyline um i i look forward to next week's episode just as much as i look forward to every episode but this you know left so many things um you know just just i need to know answers man and and so you know this was a fun recap to do I mean, not that every other episode isn't fun, but this just had so much emotion behind it. So many people upset. So many people's feelings were hurt. Um, so, you know, I, I still don't think we've seen the best episode of the season, man. I still don't think we have. I still think that, you know, they're going to keep hitting us every single week harder and harder. Um, you know, we'll see. We got, what, five episodes left? Yeah, only. Only five episodes God, left. The season goes by too quick. Yeah, <laughs> way too quick. Sad. Yeah, man. Well, but yeah, I do. I do agree with you. I mean, I think we there's definitely still way bigger surprises to come, which is kind of shocking considering we've already been spoiled the first five episodes. You know, <laughs> like, I'm not used to this from Game of Thrones. We don't usually get week after week after week just getting pounded with it. It's been amazing. It's been yeah. so good so far. It definitely has, man. Well, you know, like I said, I think we've I think we've covered everything. Um, I do again want to, as always, thank. You know, everybody who, who sent in questions this week or foul or no fouls, um, special shout-outs again. Like I said, the Cheesehead, um, the Omega Ginger, um, trying to think of anyone else. Uh, Jeff, again, thank you for your question. Um, and, and, again, like I said, guys, you know, Twitter, you know, uh, at Clock Dodgers. Give yours again, Tony. Uh, mine is at Reimer, A-S-R-E-I-M-E-R, 
AS and then Mr. Me Seeks on the FL app. Exactly. And at Profit on the FL app. Um, or again, again email uh, clockdodgers at gmail.com or just go to clockdodgers.com. Leave your uh, you know note in the comments or your question in the comments uh, and we'll get to it from there. Um, you know, you guys help us out a lot with the, with questions and file our no files, you know, to keep this thing fun and fresh. So um, continue to do that. You know, we love the support. Um, and just like you guys, man, we're just regular guys who, you know, are diehard Game of Thrones fans. And, you know, you guys interacting with us makes this all worth it. So, again, thank you, guys. Um, check out, you know, new articles from Tony for the Geeky Bugle. They keep coming week by week. So just keep checking those out as well. And we will talk to you guys next week. Anything you want to go out on, Tony? All right. That's it, man. I'll uh, see you guys next week. All right. That's it, guys. Later. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to stop by clockdodgers.com and follow us on Twitter.